I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweetest spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am coming to you from a very cold and windy Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging at the satellite branch in Hamilton, Ontario, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Yo. <laughs> yo, 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 It is dark and spooky outside. Would we say it is a very dark and stormy night? I was just about see see that's the the synchronicity, y'all. That's even even over this this distance recording that we're doing. I knew I knew that's where she was going. She, she kind of jumped ahead of my setup a little bit, but it's fine. We had the same joke. We both knew. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> Friends, this is episode one hundred and ninety nine. Woo! Because we are rapidly approaching the end of the alphabet, 199W, because we refuse to acknowledge episode 200 until such time as the world resets itself. Which I mean, oh, who fucking knows? Yeah. Who knows? But until such time, we just ain't going to do it. So if you want to hear any of our other episode 199s or any of our other 199 episodes, you just take yourself on over to SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, wherever you get your audio content, search the Geek Down Podcast, give us a follow, subscribe, daps, we love them daps, 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 <laughs> and henceforth, new episodes of this program will be delivered to your device automatically, you don't have to do anything else, you don't have to go and get it, because you know who's bringing it to you, your man's... Chauncey Fosilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Oh, girl, he's just coming to drop those episodes directly into your device. You don't need to do a goddamn thing. He loves to do it to you in your ear hole. But, like, gently and, and lovingly. He, listen, it's been a rough year. He's not going to just, you know, jam these episodes. No. Like Kate said, this is a little nice nudge. A little nudge of There's going to be some, like, relaxing music. <laughs> Probably some sort of chime. <laughs> a chime not unlike the one you just heard to, to let you know, hey, it's your man's. You're like, hey, buddy, brought you some new geek down. Yeah. Time's you can are- get some carrots for Philip. <laughs> if we if we get the listeners to just constantly leave carrots out, like like pre- <laughs> like cookies for Santa, carrots for Philip, that would be. Hey, when I was a kid, it was cookies and milk for Santa, carrots for the reindeer. Did you really? Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Friends, if you want to tell us uh, some of your holiday traditions, we are rapidly approaching the season. We'll get into that a little more when we get to updates. You can hit us up on any of your social medias, primarily Twitter. Get up off Twitter. That's what your girl, the chief international correspondent, Kira from Australia, did to let us know all the ways that Supernatural has let the fandom down. I wanna, I'm sure it's a lot. I want to delve into this more. It's actually pretty fascinating. It's got a real, like, you know... Text v subtext, death of the author type vibe to it, like, Ooh. like when a show's around long enough that the person who created it isn't really involved anymore, and then other things start happening, and this push and pull between the two differing philosophies of the, of the show. Very interesting. I read the whole oh, thing. Yeah. I read the whole thing, Gary. It was very interesting. I I feel like it's probably 
not the same, but similar to American Gods? Possibly, because they've gone kind of off, you know, they've begun adding a lot of stuff, right, in American Gods? And it's not just the adding, it's the tone, it's the point, it's the, you know, when, when Neil Gaiman is involved in something, you get, like, Stardust. Stardust is different than the book. They added stuff to it. But it still felt like Stardust. It still felt like Neil Gaiman. Um, and when he's not involved in things, like, uh, for instance, um, the Anansi Boys. BBC did a radio play version, and Neil Gaiman wasn't involved. And he was so disappointed by it that he did another version. <laughs> he was like, fuck you guys. This is not good enough. So. But from the sounds of things, imagine if, like, Neil Gaiman made things bad every time he touched it. That would be, that that, would be bad. That seems to be the vibe from Supernatural. Uh, and they are very upset and seem to have good reason to. But, I mean, when, when I further um, – once Kate has a chance to read it, maybe we further digest it. We'll, we'll revisit this topic later on when we feel more more versed. But Kira, hell of an effort. Hell of an effort. You're the real MVP. Uh, if you want to support this endeavor financially so that maybe we can – Reward Kira for her <laughs> contributions to this program. Feel free to buy Kira a coffee. Three bucks. KO-FI.com slash GeekDownPod. We don't encourage it. The world is still exploding. Lockdown 2 Electric oh, yeah. Boogaloo could come any day now. And probably should. But now we have a color-coded system, folks. In Canada, we Just do, like yeah. In kindergarten. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, in Ontario, at least. But no one... No one is listening to it. Honestly, and this is this is the thing. I was thinking about this when I stepped off the bus today. The only thing that worked was when you shut the shit down. Oh, yeah. It's the only thing that worked. Also, you can't you can't they refuse they refuse to actually ticket people. Yeah. I'm like, ticket all of them. <laughs> every time you find a party. Every time there's six hundred people at a house party. Find all of them. A lot. Like it's the only thing that worked. The only and, not, and even then, cases were not great. But I mean, they were, you know, a f- less than half of what they are now daily in Ontario, anyway, because you just shut the shit down, and it sucked. And we were all stressed all the time. And some of y'all didn't even get a lockdown. You had to keep trying to live a normal life in that. But case-wise, yeah. it's the only thing that worked. Anyway, how's your week, Kate? Um. I have a disease, and when it's not causing severe pain, it makes me extremely tired. Mm. Um, but it's really hard to talk about that part of it. When it's in pain, people are like, oh, that's too bad. When you're tired, people are like, oh, buck up, or have a coffee, or uh, the things I hear. Yeah, chronic um, fatigue can be a hard one to to get empathy yeah. from the general public. They're yeah. just like, oh, so, you're just sleepy. Yeah, oh, you'll, you know, get eight hours of rest. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like, I got ten hours of rest and I can <laughs> Got now. that covered, Sheila. Um, so, yeah, that's a hard thing to talk about because it's beyond being invisible. It's... It, if you talk about it with people, you're made to feel like you are deficient. Mm. Um, like it is a character flaw, right? Like you're lazy as opposed to physically 
exhausted, just totally physically exhausted. Um, so that's difficult. Uh, but other than that, it's been fine. <laughs> the weather's been weird. It was like ridiculously hot, ridiculously hot. Yeah, it was crazy nice um, most of the week, but now it seems to yeah, have uh, shaken that. Today, yeah, today's just been wild, like howling winds and our power went off for a little while. Um, so yeah, that always... <laughs> I'm always like, oh, November, <laughs> you crazy bitch. Um, but like the weather in Hamilton at one point, I think it was Tuesday, hit 25 degrees, mm. which is unheard of. Thank um, you, it's climate been change. nice before in November uh, over the last couple of years because, like you said, uh, climate change, but not like this. So, yeah. But November is known for being pretty fucking wild. The gales of November, as the famous song goes. Um but yeah, other than that, fine. How are you? I don't really have much to speak about. I just I just worked. Um, oh, it was mail day. I think it was mail day last week. That was exciting. All of my last mail purchases day. came came on the same day. Oh, oh. My Labrador, uh, <laughs> my New Brunswick vacationing twelve inch showed up uh, at the same time as my Ooh. last batch of Japan records. So that was that was fun. There's nothing better about, you know, you talk about fandoms. There's nothing better when just like, so one of the records I bought was there's like a pillar of city pop is this record by a woman named Junko Hashi called Magical. And when you, and it goes for like four or $500, ridiculous. No, never. But one of the songs that everyone loves off of that record is a song called Telephone Number, which apparently, and Magical is apparently a compilation so I'd found that telephone number is actually on another album and he's always like scolded me away from even considering magical. He's like, it's a compilation. It's not pressed very well. It sounds like crap. I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right. So I found that telephone number originates on another album and I got that album. It was not $400. It was less than that. It was not cheap, but it was less than $400. And just <laughs> the course is just a, Ohashi-san, you do not know how telephone numbers work. They require a few more digits <laughs> than that. Um, but I had just, uh, like, that song's iconic to anybody who follows this shit. It's been covered a bunch of times. And I had uh, just posted that clip of the chorus on my Instagram, just in, like, huge black letters, 56709. And then somebody I had just met randomly, you know, Mutual Record Admiration Society, just replied to the story with, like, the shock face. It's like, oh, my God, you bought it. That's right. You're like, damn right about it. Recognize the dopeness of my collection. And there will be more coming this week, probably. I don't know, whenever they clear customs. It just never ends, Kayla. It just never ends. It just never ends. Never ends? Never ends. It's because of the sickness. That's why. The sound of sickness. Yes, indeedy. And, yeah, anytime I wasn't buying records or playing records or looking for records or shopping for records, I was off being cute. Because that's my life now. So, uh, was it with someone who's also cute? Yes. Oh, that's, that's cute. It's real cute, y'all. Your boys. It's real cute. Your boy got one. Your boy got one. Uh, one diamond out of this turd factory that is 2020. It's real weird. It's real weird being excited and happy about something and a trash fire of a year like this has been. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's how I feel. I got married this year. True. True that. Everybody's yeah. just like this year sucked, and I'm like, it's kind of. Not bad. A little bit. Like, yeah, actually, like, I mean, 
besides my stupid disease, but when I think about it, like I got a disease that makes me really, really tired. You have a disease that makes you really poor. What would I really rather have? <laughs> what would you rather sleep? What would you rather do? Sleep or be poor? Yeah, exactly. And when I'm sleeping, I can't spend money. That is true. That's true. If any, and I get mad when sleeping gets in the way of my shopping. I'm just like, I'm just going to browse Discogs a little bit before I go to bed. And I lay down in the bed with the iPad on and I start flipping through Discogs and I start nodding off and I get mad. I'm like, fuck, man, come on. Like, I, I, come on. Come on. We have, so, we have so many hours in a day. Friends, there is no news really to speak of. Um, there is one story I wanted to talk about that's just like, it's the return of a subject that has come up on the show before. With a specific inciting incident that is just like, bruh, seriously? Who remembers the story of Vince McMahon trying to snag the Twitch and Cameo accounts from all of his performers? I remember that. You remember that and story? now that I know what Cameo is, more <laughs> like more what it is. Oh, you're more familiar with Cameo I'm, now? I am angry. I have recently heard... Um, rebuttals arguments against unionization and that sort of things. And a lot of the theory is that, you know, free markets, you don't want to be told to be good to your employees. You know, you choose to do it. That's the free, that's the beauty of the free market. Unions take that away and they force it. And by all accounts, despite the independent contractor kerfuckery, that the WWE engages in, that is their performers who get in the ring and beat up their bodies, you know, however many nights a year are not considered proper employees. They're like independent contractors in the same way that like a plumber comes to your house to fix your pipes. Yep. You know, you, they get paid for the services that they are delivering, but if your plumber knocks a tooth out, um, you don't have to pay for it because that's not what you hired them for. Yeah. Considering that these people risk their bodies um, and you know, mental well-being and through the years, you have know, so many cases of, you know, painkiller addictions and tragic early deaths and things like that, that they should do more. And stories come out every once in a while. And it seems like by and large, they do. If you get hurt in the ring, even though they legally don't have to, they always will take care of the performers, get you to the best rehab and best surgeons and all that type of stuff. They will do that. Whether or not they pay for it is questionable, but <laughs> they do, yeah. they do ensure that that connect. Um, and there have been times in the past where, you know, performers have had drug addictions and they've quietly like pay for their rehab and things like that. So they do do things, but this whole, like, you know, how dare you try to make money at a time when, the economy is just down. There are no house shows, i.e. the live events that are not televised. I'm trying going to try not to get too much into the vernacular, but I mean, for a lot of the talent that's down the card, you know, meaning they're not in the main event. They're not the super superstars. They're the people who like, you know, fill out the show. A lot of their money often comes from, you know, doing these house show tours. Cause maybe, you know, you know, using names that, using names to represent, but don't like, you know, technically work for the company anymore. Like John Cena might not do every house show in like, you know, Peoria on a Wednesday, you know, <laughs> he might not be doing that. He might do the big t TV show on Monday or Friday, but you know, the, 
the 5,000 seater arena show in like, you know, the indie, the OHL arena, John Cena's probably not showing up to that one, but you know, a guy like Ricochet might, your boy, your boy, Prince Puma, he might show up for that. Yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> we'll just call him by his real put, name. Put some, res- put some respect on his name. <laughs> put some respect on the yeah. prince's name. Um, so yeah, that's, that cash flow has kind of been taken away from them and they do get a certain there's way too much about the economics of how wrestlers get paid but i mean <laughs> they get paid ex- i think it's fascinating they i get think paid- wrestling i think wrestling the more i've learned about it the more fascinating it's become um i mean there's still a part of it that i'll never enjoy like the hokiness of it <laughs> but if you're into things that are like hokey like it's <laughs> it's great all that is to say, I'll skip over all that other shit, but like, you know, wrestlers were using their downtime and using Twitch and Cameo to try and like, you know, make ends meet and make a little, make a little extra cash. And none of these wrestlers are using their ring names because they don't own them, right? Like, mm-hmm. they got to have another name. Um, so they, and often they will, they'll use either their government name or like, you know, another if they were an indie wrestler earlier on, they'll use that name. But Vince and co will say like, you're able to make this money and have this following because of what we've, how we've built you. So we should get a cut. Right. I E most of said cut. Right. And one of the people who was very vocally resisting, this was a woman named her st- stage name was Zelina Vega. And she was primarily a manager, wrestled a little bit, great as a manager. Man, wrestling managers are just a totally forgotten art form because sometimes, you know, the role of the manager is like sometimes dudes aren't good at talking. You might be great in the yeah. ring. The complete package is you want to be able to perform in the ring and be able to, quote, cut a promo. Like, you know, speak, <laughs> deliver a speech to sell a match or a feud or something like that. You know, The Rock is like the gold standard of a promo. You listen to The Rock talk or Stone Cold, you believe everything they say. Not everybody's built for that. So sometimes you need a manager to do that talking for them. And Zelina Vega was great at being a manager for people. Um, She had resisted handing over her Twitch account the longest. And then I believe it was on Friday, Friday the 13th, at 5.46, she tweeted... I support unionization. At 5.56, the WWE tweeted, World Wrestling Entertainment has parted ways with Zelina Vega. (laughs) (gasps) Ten fucking minutes later. (laughs) And they can say whatever they want that just those optics are terrible. And what has also made this... Interesting. So we already had the angle before where uh, former presidential candidate Andrew Yang had heard about this and was like, that's some bullshit. I might not end up the secretary of labor in the, in a new administration, but I'll probably have their phone number. (laughs) I might want to make some calls. Also interesting. The president, it was either the actual Twitter account for the screen actors guild or the president of the screen actors guild retweeted Vega's, you know, I support unionization with we do too. And is like making moves. That would be interesting if the Screen Actors Guild is like, why don't y'all come over here? You're actors. 
stuntmen, you know, whatever, however you want to put it, you're on TV, you're playing a part. You should be over here. Let us fight for you and get you what you deserve. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. So I just thought that was, I saw the pair, the two tweets last night, 10 minutes apart. And I was like, you, why? And she was great. She was great for the company when, so what was that movie that came out fighting with my family? I think it was called. Um, yeah, I had, um, Oh, what, uh, Pugue, um, Florence, her is that her name? Florence Pugue. I think it is. I think it is Florence Pugue. If, if you're waiting under 25, I don't know any of them anymore. Like I've, I've aged out of that, but I think that's, I think Florence is. Pugue is a person. It's Florence Pugue. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like the rock produced that and it was about this, another wrestler, uh, named Paige, who kind of grew up in a wrestling family, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, somebody thought it would make a good story, so they made a movie out of it, and they needed somebody to wrestle with Florence Pugh and play, like, you know, another wrestler who the Paige character had feuded with earlier in her career, and they tapped Zelina Vega to do it. Like, so they were high on her in certain regards, and she was just like, yo, I built this thing on my own. Listen, wrestlers can be boring as fuck. And like, I could go and visit like a wrestler's Twitch stream once for a couple seconds, but if they're not engaging and they're not selling me on it, I'm not going to watch, you know, a three hour stream or whatever, however y'all are doing it. Like the name recognition and the fame that you might've earned from the WWE. Like at the end of the day, that's not going to build your Twitch audience or make people want to drop their money to support you in those endeavors. Right. Like it, that's on you at that point, mm-hmm. you know, it's that whole thing, you know, as much as Vince always likes to talk about, you know, grabbing the brass, or, grab, grab the brass ring. All we give you is an opportunity. You make the most of it type of thing. <laughs> These people were out there making their own opportunities and getting over in their own ways. But then no, don't get, don't get too over. No, no. Oh yeah. No. Don't be too good. <laughs> Take that right back. Get a piece of that. Again, from a company that is in a pandemic, having the most profitable year it's ever had. Wow. Wow. Put a pin in that as well, just so you know. So, uh, once again, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. (laughs) 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 Updates. Kate, what have you been watching this week? It's been an interesting week. It started out with literally all of... (laughs) Of of Law and Order Criminal Intent that I could consume <laughs> in, in certain sittings, like just, just a fucking like, drip of D'Onofrio, just an IV yeah. drip of D'Onofrio going into her veins, and like and like I would. So a lot of my job is really boring. I, I don't mind it, but being home and it being extremely quiet sometimes makes it hard to focus. I know that sounds weird, but it's that weird balance between like background noise and not too much noise. Um, If you've ever worked in an office, you know what I mean. So a lot of people listen to music, but I find music actually very distracting. So I would, I in the past have put on Murder, She Wrote, um, but I put on for a couple of times when I was uh, just having to, it's literally a lot of clicking and like copy pasting and, you know, in, in putting information, a lot of, data entry that's all it is so mm. i would be watching criminal intent um in the background and i realized that criminal intent specifically that law and order is basically murder she wrote 
because every episode, uh, the character that Vincent D'Onofrio plays, and it really is a, a vehicle for him, uh, unlike other Law and Orders where it's much more of a cast ensemble. Like right. they don't do the usual Law and Order thing, which it was you would half of the episode would be the police investigation, the other half would be the prosecutors. Right. This is all basically the police investigation. Um. So every so often he'll get this like moment and he'll like figure something out or you'll see him flip a page back and forth about something and you've realized he's figured this thing out. Um, or they'll like, he'll get the, um, he'll trick the person into admitting it was them. And I was like, Oh my God, he's just Jessica Fletcher. Um, so I don't know if that's what he took inspiration from, but it made me very happy. <laughs> um, after just like basically binging for days on criminal intent, I decided I needed to like watch something else. And for a really long time, I wanted to watch infinity train. I have no uh, idea what that is. Infinity train is, uh, um, animated. Sci- okay. I, you know how I love these An- American animated science, fantasy, drama, anthology, television series. Good Lord. Woo! Uh, create it basically aired on Cartoon Network, um, and each of the episodes I've only seen the first season, but each of the episodes um, is maybe fifteen minutes, um, maybe not, not even in some cases, and uh, it's basically about a girl who is stuck on this train that goes on for infinity, infinitely, and, ev- and every car is something different. They have a world where. I I know it. I'm not even going to say it because I want you to watch it and you're going to love it so much. So I want it to be a surprise. But uh, one car is basically everything's upside down. And in another car, it's people made of candy floss. And another car, like they're just weird worlds. Where is this um, on? Who is this from? Um, so this is on Cartoon Network. I can't find it anywhere. So I actually per- purchased it through the Google uh, movie apps. I actually pi- 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 purchased it. Purchased it. Um, which I know is wild, but I really, really, I'd seen clips on YouTube and I really, really wanted to watch it because I heard it was really good. Did not disappoint. Um, the voice acting is amazing. Um, Ernie Hudson um, plays a, a, a main character and is busy marquee amazing. episode for Ernie Hudson this week. I know. I know. It's very Ernie Hudson focused. I also <laughs> found out that Ernie Hudson is older than Keith David. Who would have known? Really? Uh, yeah. He looks, he's, t- he's like 10 years older or something. He looks great for his age. They, they say it don't crack. Yeah. He, he was born in 1945. Same year as my dad. Damn. And Damn, son. Keith David was born in 1956. So, yeah, they're, they are like 10 years, almost 10 years different. Um, also, in some uh, a character uh, is played by Kate Mulgrew, who does great voice acting work, and I'm always excited to see Kate Mulgrew and stuff. Um, and there's a couple different series, um, and they, from what I think so far, they're self-contained they're sort of like you know the season is a story but each episode is something different anyways it's really well done um it's nice because they're very short episodes so you can like watch one in between something else or while you're waiting for something um 
I also uh, watched the first episode of Truth Seekers, which is the new show with um, Nick Frost and um, Simon Pegg. It's sort of one of those vehicles. Uh, It's basically, it is a 2020 British comedy horror web television series. I love when they just like jam everything uh, into it. So um, basically Nick Frost plays this cable guy who goes around uh, very invested in his job, but he also is a paranormal investigator. Um, and so far he hasn't really had much luck, but he's like full on belief and he gets a new partner, um, which I believe is, uh, uh, is, uh, Samson, uh, Kayo. I feel bad if I mispronounce his name, but so far he's been a very funny actor. Um, he plays a character named Elton John, which just (laughs) is amazing. Um, and they, find Elton John seems to have this like he's his lucky charm and all of a sudden they start to actually see things and are experiencing weird paranormal things uh, it is very funny but it also there are kind of spooky bits um not like jump out scary not like the ring scary but still for me because we know I'm a big wuss uh, still slightly scary. Anyway, so yeah, so Truth Seekers, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it, like I said, first season or first episode rather has been was good. Um, it was pretty funny, and I'm guessing it's just gonna be great as it goes. Um, I watched the newest episode of The Mandalorian. This one to me has been the best episode so far. Ain't seen it, and but give give your thoughts. Okay, uh, I just thought it was a tighter episode, I guess, and it also had Bo-Katan in it. Sure. Um, Bo-Katan, Chris. Uh, so if you've watched The Clone Wars or Rebels, Bo-Katan is um, Duchess Sabine, who was the head of the, Man- of the Mandalorians. She's the head of state for Mandalore in The Clone Wars. Um, this is her sister, and she is... I so in the cartoon she's voiced by Katie Sackhoff and in the show she's played by Katie Sackhoff which is just so freaking cool. I just I was so excited to see her and I recognized the masks so both Chris and I were like punching each other. Um so yeah, it was just it was a good episode. Um the action was good. Uh I liked it how it progressed the storyline. And there was a mention of some stuff that might be coming that's really I'm excited about. So, yeah, it was just from an uh, episode point of view, it was good. Um, And also for the, like, tidbits for the future it gave out, it was also great. Two notes about The Mandalorian. Yeah. Number one, new character Casca Reeves on this episode. Played by WWE SmackDown Women's Champion Sasha Banks. Oh yeah, okay. Can't find her real name, yeah. but yes, we knew Sasha was gonna. We knew for a while Sasha was gonna be in it, and she plays a new character apparently. And also, it turns out uh, quite a lot of people were less than enamored with the behavior of one young Yoda <laughs> on last week's episode. Oh my god, it was horrifying. A lot, a lot of a lot of pushback. 
from people on that one. Apparently, some production designer hopped on Twitter and was like, it was supposed to be funny. It was like, it was like they were unfertilized chicken eggs. It's like, again, don't eat it in front of the chicken. Also, chickens are not going to die out if we eat all their eggs. I might not do it if... Anyway, just uh, yeah. care, careful, careful, y'all. Y'all know, you know, people love the fall, right? People live for the fall. Nobody wants to see Baby Yoda <laughs> fall from grace. No. And they made a fucking Funko Pop of it. I think I saw it was on io9 or somewhere. It was like the Mandalorian's darkest moment is now. <laughs> it's now a Funko Pop. Anyway, anything else from you this week? Uh, no, that's it. Oh, I can right. tell you a bunch about criminal intent, though. That's well. Let's say, save that for a future. If, page, if Patreon <laughs> ever comes back, we'll make sure that's a <laughs> the first bonus episode for all the true believers. Um, yeah, weird working is for suckers. I believe is the the mantra. It's really, yep. it's really mucking with my whole my whole vibe. Um, brief note about Genshin Impact because I, I that was in danger of just kind of frittering away but then the game will gate you at a certain point like you cannot progress unless you do some quest and then like you know it'll it'll choke hold you at a certain point and it's like well you can't advance you can't level up any further unless you go do this thing it was basically just you know go raid a dungeon and there's a boss at the end and you have to beat it in eight minutes and kate i could not fucking beat this it's just like a, a you know electricity cube it goes in a bunch of shapes and then when you whittle it down all the way it splits into these like four crystals and you gotta smash the crystals and if you don't get them all in time it's gonna reassemble with a fraction of its HP and for the life of me I could not fucking do this until it turned out that there was one character that I wasn't using who was the one I should have been using um, uh, the fire archer see, that's what happens when you pick favorites should have been using the fire archer. I was fucking, I was on YouTube. I was like, fucking show me how to do this. By the time I did it, it was still like collecting my XP. It just wouldn't like go towards anything. I jumped 10 fucking levels <laughs> by the time I beat this thing. That's how oh like, that's how long it had taken me to do it. Anyway, Genshin Impact still dope. They're making little tweaks to it here and there. A lot more kind of, um, they just had a fairly big patch or major update last week, uh, which added like, you know, more kind of random world events type of thing. You know, if you go to a city for one thing, you'll see more like little random exclamation points pop up with quick little quests. They're just fetch quests usually, but I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, it's a real fun game to play and it looks really good and it's fun to run around and climb shit. So never have a problem with that. Um, I only watched one episode of Gravity Falls. I'm still, I'm still rationing that out. Yeah. It was the one where uh, Seuss played a dating simulator. So good. I think I just screamed the English from, <laughs> from the game at Caitlin. <laughs> you see from the opening screen, it's like at Cherry Blossom High School. What the hell did they fucking... And do you think can hand plan? <laughs> Anthony Ding <laughs> can hand plan. That's what... <laughs> That's fucking dying. Also, uh... Shouts to Alex Hirsch for trolling the uh, Trump voter fraud hotline oh my God, <laughs> by so crank calling them and filming it and posting it on Twitter of him doing the Seuss. It's not quite Seuss and, and Grunkle Stan, but it's very close. Oh, it's very close, um, though. Calling up to report hamburger-related <laughs> voter fraud. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, what a treat. How'd I go my whole life without knowing that dude? Um, speaking of politics, YouTube decided you need to watch, uh, Vox explainers on American politics. And I said, okay, I like learning. Oh, I've, yeah, I've watched so many of them. Here's the thing I was thinking. Remember when I was like, well, I was watching that show black AF and I was like, it gets a little tiresome that they seem to tie everything back into slavery. Turns out there's a reason everything goes back to slavery. Oh yeah. The electoral college slavery. Why are Republicans dicks slavery? It just, it always goes back. There's a certain segment of white people who just will never miss an opportunity to be racist. It's like, it's like, well, you have, well, you have, you know, there are more people up here than in the South. It's like, no, we technically have more people. Yeah, but you don't want to let them vote because they're slaves. Well, we should still get more points because we have more people, even if they're slaves. Well, fine. Each slave is like three fifths of a person. Oh, America, you're the fucking grossest. Oh, you are going to have to reckon with that. You probably get around to it at the same time. Canada really reckons with the residential school system, but yay. Everything is terrible. Um, I also partook in a uh, stand-up special that I've been meaning to get to for a while. Last week, I celebrated the sort of greatness and how much I admired and appreciated Mr. Seth Meyers. He has a Netflix special that I had, like, never watched. He so does? He does. Oh. It's called Lobby Baby. Um, about the time his wife had a baby in the lobby. And oh. he's just a real, like, I think I said it last week. He's just a real, like, professional <laughs> comedian. Like, one of his first jokes. Oh, sorry, you did mention this. I totally forgot. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I don't expect you to listen when I talk, Kate. Like, I really don't. I do, though. I'm mostly attentive most of the time. Most of the time. Um, he's got some joke about how, like, you know, it's probably very odd for you. You're used to seeing me sitting behind a desk, looking at me standing here in street clothes. It's probably like that time when Kermit rode a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it um, makes sense, but are those... L- load bearing legs like do they function like and he had this joke he kept going back to he talks about his wife and his family a lot um his wife his relationship with his wife especially um and talking about when they were having the baby in the lobby and they're like the first time she almost had the baby their first baby she almost had in the back of an uber apparently Seth Meyers' wife gives birth very quickly um so they were like on point and they were on it. And the second it seemed like it was happening, they were downstairs and they were on their way to the lobby. And it's like, my wife stopped and she said, the baby is here. And I turned to her wow. and I did something called mansplaining, which ladies <laughs> <laughs> is when a man with no personal experience speak, tells you about what you're feeling. And I said, no, no. The baby's not here. <laughs> he said, and when I finally saw what was happening, it was like my wife was trying to smuggle a baby <laughs> in a pair of jogging pants. <laughs> and it's just, it's super chill. He's even got a bit where, you know, he's like, so we got to talk about politics a bit, but I, I, you know, I'm sure there are people who don't want to talk about this stuff and just rather, you know, have the fun stuff. So we're on Netflix. So what we're going to do is there's going to be a button right here and he points. He's like, it's going to say skip politics. <laughs> and there is, and you can, if you don't want to hear his political jokes, you can hit skip politics and get to the next bit. 
actually work? It works. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Oh, the future is now. So, Lobby Baby, Seth Meyers on Netflix. Good hang. Uh, also, randomly, because I was off being cute with someone cute, this cute person has cable, and it's that's such a rarity for me. Like, Oh, cable's weird. To enjoy cable. And also, <laughs> it seems like every time she came in the room, wrestling was on. <laughs> because apparently, the network that shows wrestling by Saturday... In a pandemic with no sports is just like fucking re-air everything again. <laughs> it's like it's like nine. That's like nine hours of programming. Um. So it was that. It was also I watched an episode of uh, a very serious, t- an arty TV show called We Are Who We Are. Oh yes, I've heard bits and pieces about that. Luca Gaudigino, I believe his name is, uh, who directed Call Me by Your Name. Um, about uh, basically kids at a U.S. Army base in Italy. Um, and it's about identity and queer love and war and that type of stuff. I don't know. I watched one episode and I was like, this is a very serious arty TV show. I don't know if I will ever go back and watch it because it is a solid HBO hour per episode. And you know how that goes. That's a lot. So, but I, it's, it's, it's like a Korean drama. <laughs> very, I've gotten a lot of recos on Korean dramas later too. I'll have to look into some of those and hit you back. Um, but also just the general air of being having cable around again was like, oh man, Memorial Day is done, Remembrance Day is done, W Network is back on their bullshit, Kaylin. Oh yeah. Oh, it's just all yeah. shitty Christmas movies all the time. I didn't want to push it too far because it's one of the rare occasions where I'm hanging out with somebody cute in that environment. So I didn't want to say like, can we just watch these all day? <laughs> Because Never Kiss a Man in a Christmas Sweater is on at 7, and that's a premiere. Oh, my God. I can't believe you didn't. What's wrong with you? It could have been so good, but, like, bad good. Oh, so bad good. Anyway, really, really made me... Lord knows we're going to need to cling to those comfy things this year. Especially for... clinging. For those of of us who, uh, you know, might be stuck here. When they would prefer not to be. Um, yeah. Just give give it all. All to me. You know what else is comfy, Kate? You know what else feels good? What else is comfy? Poop, Kate. Cinematic poop. Crapathon oh, yeah. rolls on, it is, y'all. It is basically getting me through November. <laughs> it would, yeah. It would be. Mm. Jury might still be out on whether or not this week got me through <laughs> Helped or hindered by November, but we we will get into that as November Crapathon rolls on after this break. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is the host of the show where you talk about the things we brought each other, and because it's November Crapathon, we have brought each other crap. Farts, poops, dookie bits. But before we get into discussing the crap we have brought each other, we have some rules. Yep. The first rule doesn't apply usually during Crapathon because we usually give each other crappy movies. And the same goes with this week. The rule of three, which is that if things come in parts, we'll watch three of them. Like I said, does not apply. Second rule, however, 
save it for the pod. Don't talk about it until you're in front of these microphones. And because we want you guys to have the freshest of takes about really old, terrible movies. So old. So old and so bad. But you know what? Maybe they're so bad you didn't even know they existed. So the takes are always going to be fresh for you. Um, and finally, the third rule, uh, which is really more of a policy, it's that there will be spoilers, but you can't really Man, spoil these movies. Whatever. Yeah. Soylent Green is people. Like, <laughs> these, <laughs> I just, yeah. But if for some reason you're like, I don't want to hear about it, then you can leave. Go watch your own crappy movies. Yeah. Go do that. We like to alternate. We're going to start with what I gave to Jordan. Uh, which I'm so excited about. Um, it is a film called Congo. Mm. Congo is a 1995 American science fiction action adventure film <laughs> loosely based on my- Michael Crichton's 1980 novel of the same name. The picture, if that's indeed what you can call it, was directed by Frank Marshall, starring Laura Linney, Dylan Walsh, Ernie Hudson, Grant Heslov, Joe Don Baker and Tim Curry. Tim Curry. That's how you know. That's how you know it's going to be terrible. The mark of quality. Yeah. Uh, Congo received negative reviews, but performed better than expected at the box office. Don't you mean negative reviews? Like it just like a negative number of reviews. <laughs> Got negative six reviews. It was so bad. It, it received minus. 10 reviews. Um, So I'm not going to go into the full plot, but basically the Laura Linney character, and you know, she's a doctor scientist because she's dressed like one in every nineties movie that a woman is in where she's a doctor scientist. Khakis. (laughs) And some sort of colored shirt. The Laura Linney character is basically going to find her ex fiance. And she works for this big telecommunications company that needs diamonds for satellites. I don't. Sure. Already, I don't know. Kate, I don't want to interrupt, but who plays okay. Laura Linney's fiance? Um, it is in fact. Uh, oh no, it's gone. Uh, Bruce Campbell. It's Bruce Campbell, and so you're like. Oh, oh yes, Linney. friends. This movie has Tim Curry and Bruce Campbell. In it. <laughs> yeah. So the whole time that she's trying to find her ex-fiance, Bruce Campbell. You're like, oh, he's got to be alive. Bruce, It would just bring Bruce Campbell in to kill him immediately. Oh, no. They did pull a scream, folks. <laughs> don't, don't give it that much credit. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, just being silly. Anyways, so basically she's talking to Bruce Campbell, and all of a sudden – Bruce Campbell, uh, he has to go because he has to find someone, and then they never come back, and then they something gets – there's some monsters that push over the camera and some such thing, and then they see that a whole bunch of people are dead. Um, and so she's like, i got to go find him, and the very wealthy man who owns the Diamond Satellite Company is like, I will send you on an expedition. We'll have to have you join another one. The other expedition, the one that she's going to take over, is another doctor scientist 
who has taught a gorilla sign language, but also invented a machine to translate that sign language into a vocal representation of what the gorilla is signing. That's kind of cool. Um, and he wants, but he wants to bring her back to the jungle because he's worried that she, because she's in captivity, she's going to mentally degrade and emotionally degrade over time because really gorillas should be um, in the jungle. Tim Curry is a, oh God, I can't even remember where he's from. A philanthropist fr- Soviet, oh, from Soviet, Romania. Was it Romania or Soviet Georgia? I can't remember which. I remember that. Oh, you know what I... You're right. It's Romania. Uh, You're right. Okay. Okay. Um, so, we named, I kid you not, Herkimer Homolka. Herkimer Homolka. <laughs> Herkimer. I just... He must have made up the name. DJ Cool um, Herc. Oh, God. He, uh, out of the goodness of his heart, has decided... He is going to uh, lead the pay for this expedition to get the gorilla back to the jungle. But though you do suspect there is possibly some other type of reason, which there is, he is trying to find the lost city of Zinj. Zinj, um, which was apparently the ancient an ancient uh, mining city run by Solomon. Um, and which is why and it had all these diamonds in it. And so basically they're all, oh, and also there's a volcano. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to collapse. Um, so, <laughs> so basically, uh, right when they're about to leave, Herkimer finds out his cash flow has been stopped. Um, and in comes Laura Linney's character. Uh, doctor scientist who is like, uh, oh, I, I guess I, I run this show now. Yeah, she's like, let's go, and then they get to uh, Zaire. Where do they land? They Zaire. start in Zaire. No, they're trying. They're, but they're, I thought they were trying. No, they're trying to get to Zaire, but they land somewhere else. Um, oh God, I keep remembering. Oh yeah, just, just fin- finish your preamble. <laughs> I keep remembering stuff. Basically, they they land in a, a country that's going through a civil war as they get there. Like, the, the president's been shot, like, as they land. And they meet their guide, played by Ernie Hudson, who – Ernie Hudson was the star of this film, as far as I'm concerned. And I do not understand why Ernie Hudson is not in everything. Um – but basically, he's their guide. Um, they have to they have to try and get to uh, Zaire um, because that's where they need to take the gorilla and where the mine or the the diamonds are and the volcano and the lost city. And from there, it it just it, it keeps on going. It just this this movie. I did not. I'm so glad. Because really, what I remembered about this movie were the were the um, the gorillas, the evil gorillas. Don't don't spoil any of my tableaus that I have prepared. Okay, all right. Uh, really, that's what I remember from watching this film again on television with commercials. <laughs> oh, with commercials. Um, 
always, uh, because it was on the movie channel probably. Um, that's what I remember. I did not remember so much of this film. I think I'd probably blocked it from my memory for reasons. Um, but it was as trash as I had hoped. Uh, Jordan, what did you think? Caitlin, here are some yeah. things I don't want to talk about regarding this movie. <laughs> okay. I don't want to talk about the scene where Ernie Hudson and Laura Linney shoot down bazooka rockets with a flare gun. <laughs> I don't want to talk. Okay. I don't want to talk about the appearance of uh, Joey Pants, aka Joe Pantoliano, who was in like every oh '90s God. movie as their first guide, <laughs> and just and just that general mood of like weird dudes who like work outside the system in like African countries where governments are constantly falling and changing, like. That's, that's Ernie Hudson and Joy Pants are playing those characters. Uh, I don't want to talk about the random California dream and sing along that happens. Oh my God. Uh, on was... the bank of a river. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about Laura Linney shooting feral white gorillas in half with a freaking laser at the end of the movie. A Caitlin, diamond laser. Caitlin, Caitlin, there is one <laughs> thing I want to talk about regarding this movie, and that is whether or not store brand Steve Gutenberg who plays the primatologist, wants to fuck oh. that monkey. Okay. Caitlin, that is, does he want to fuck yeah. that monkey? Um, it's an ape, first of all. Oh, my God. Um, wow. No. He's, I think he thinks of it as uh, his, his uh, like, daughter. But this is, okay, no, this we got to talk about this. This is weird. As the movie started... Literally, senior correspondent Chris was like, "Who is that discount brand, Steve Gutenberg?" I don't make the shit up, y'all. And I didn't know who Steve Gutenberg was because I've never <laughs> seen any movie he's been in. Oh, this you just you just set you just set up Crapathon twenty twenty one. And I was like, "Who?" Um, so just yeah, so that just. That was weird, first of all. Because he's getting experience. three men and a baby next year. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah. Oh, dear. So, yes. Oh, oh, um, hold on. Caitlin says okay. no. Caitlin says no. I, I say no to what? That whether or not this dude wants to fuck the oh. monkey or not. No, he doesn't want to fuck the monkey. The monkey's like his kid. I am now sending Caitlin a photo a screenshot of store brand Steve Gutenberg as he flies away in a fucking hot air balloon (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the movie after he has, you know, left Amy. Sorry. The the gorilla's name is Amy, uh, with her fellow, her fellow primates. Caitlin, tell me that dude doesn't (laughs) want to fuck a gorilla. (laughs) Look at the longing. Look at him cradle that flower that the gorilla gave him. He's just, no. Dude wants like, to fuck that gorilla. To... No, he does not want to fuck the gorilla. That's weird. Kate? I mean, I know this movie is already weird, but... Kate? Yeah. Movie, bad, Kate. Movie. <laughs> movie, bad, Kate. Bad, movie. Uh... Does that sound appealing, y'all? You want to listen to a terribly animatronic, a terrible animatronic gorilla? 
<laughs> speak in that voice for an hour and 45 minutes. Why did this movie try to be everything? I don't know. I didn't remember about the volcano. <laughs> You're really running hot with volcanoes this year. <laughs> you put a volcano, put a volcano in every movie. Think, I legitimately was thinking of giving you, as well as Dante's Peak, <laughs> Volcano. <laughs> the movie where they didn't even try for a title. It says, you know, it's fucking called Volcano. Volcano. I think that was the working title and they just forgot to change it. <laughs> the people who brought you Shark. There's, def- <laughs> there's definitely a Wilhelm scream in Volcano. Uh, no Wilhelm screams here, by the way. I know. I was so surprised because so many people die. But, like, the only good thing about this movie, the only enjoyable thing about this movie, because I don't know if this is getting a high grade on, like, the so bad it's enjoyable. The degree to which Ernie Hudson, like, dines on every piece of scenery around him. He doesn't just chew it. He is, like, savoring every bit of scenery. Yeah. I, I don't understand why Ernie Hudson is not in more movies. Um, I don't know either. I think maybe he got... How can you get typecast in Ghostbusters when you're like the fourth Ghostbuster? But I mean, I don't know. I don't know why he never really got the shine. He definitely deserved it. Um, did they even explain what the the feral white albino gorillas were? Like, yeah, they like basically um, the people who ran the mine mm-hmm. two thousand years ago uh, bred these gorillas for like violence and oh, okay. to protect the mind. Right. And the trait also made them gray for some reason. Um, and weird looking. And uh, yeah. I I mean, I don't, I can't really say more than that. Sorry, I just but... I just remember my, fir- my favorite Ernie Hudson moment and it's when like, you know, they randomly encounter a silverback which is uh, you know, the caliber of puppet is as high as the uh, you know sign language gorilla who stars in the movie, yeah. Um, yeah. And you know the primatologist is like, you know, he, he freezes and he like looks down and Ernie Hudson is like, don't move, and he's like, I I know, I like I can't run away either or I'll chase me. And there's like the very tense scene where he stays there, and, and Gutenberg is like, you know, looking down and looking all scared and shit. And eventually the gorilla wanders away and he turns around, everybody's gone. And Ernie Hudson, like, comes out from the bushes, and he's like, where were you? And he's like, I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> you you do you, Ernie Hudson. Let the white, let the white boy get it from the gorilla. Also, I'm still not I, convinced I he doesn't want that Ernie. anyway, but. Oh, my God. So weird. Um, I, I've been going through Ernie Hudson's IMDb. He oh has God. been active for forever. <laughs> He, like, works all the time. Well, good. The classic working actor, your boy Ernie Hudson. Also, just, I mean, Kate's not lying. The movie is literally trying to be everything. What were they even trying to do, Laura Linney's boss? Like, what? What? He he wanted a giant diamond. I'm guessing for world domination. I don't really understand... When Laura Linney busts out the giant fucking, you know, diamond laser and starts, you know, sawing gorillas in half, Gutenberg's like, what is that thing? She's like, the next step in communication, because she works for a telecom company. Okay. Oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then she, like, and then she calls, and he's like, he's like, did you get the diamond? And she's she's like, Chuck's 
He's like, what about your son? Did you get the diamond? Oh, no, maniacal. <laughs> maniacal bots. I told you. If this wasn't about your son, I'd make you regret it. Laura Linney, didn't you get like an Oscar nomination or something for that? Like, you're a good actress. And I, I guess this is like the 90s equivalent. This is going to sound like a real hot take, but like this is like the 90s equivalent of being in a Marvel movie where like you were in your smaller thriller, you know, movie that got you shine. You know, she was in that, wasn't she in that Richard Gere movie? The one that made Edward Norton back in the day? I, I don't know. I think she was the third in that movie. I don't remember what the name of that movie was, but I think she was the third and got a lot of shine from that movie and probably got more opportunities. And then was like big budget Hollywood thing, animatronic monkeys. Okay. Well, because they probably were like Michael Crichton. Yeah. Mr. Jurassic, Mr. Jurassic Park, right? He wrote Jurassic Park. He created ER. Like this, this is a lock. So that's why she's there. It's like, I told you I'd make you regret it. So let me just shoot this laser at your satellite in space. Oh my god. <laughs> Which has been animated with MS Paint. Like, <laughs> like I, I know we worked with the tools we had, but you set the bar Ooh. a little high. Um, Kate, this is like a yeah. five. What? For punch kicks? Yeah. It wasn't a fun. It wasn't a fun hate watch. <laughs> it made me oh. mad. It made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> this movie made me mad, Kate. Oh. I, it, it was the California Dream and Sing Along that came out of nowhere. Where Gutenberg is like soothing animatronic gorilla who's a little stressed by this whole ordeal. <laughs> he just parachuted out of the plane. <laughs> and he starts he starts singing, starts to sing California Dreaming. And then suddenly, like every African assistant, you know, tour guide. Start singing along in three-part harmony. Oh, what a happy family we are. <laughs> Taking our gorilla into the heart of the unknown. What even was this? Oh, I was... I'm surprised. I'm surprised because there was just so much funny trash. I don't know. That's... I, I need to... It is kind of a, it's kind of a knee-jerk grade. I might need to, might need to pray on it with my Jesus some more, but, like, that's... <laughs> it's just... It, Every time. But what about Tim Curry's terrible accent? Where was that accent even from? <laughs> I, we don't know. Has Tim Curry just been playing Dr. Frankenfurter in varying degrees for <laughs> for the past <laughs> 60 years? Uh, <sighs> hey, uh, he's the OG Pennywise. We'll always give him the respect. We'll always put respect on his name, but this is not one of his marquee, marquee performances. What was it? Herc Anon Homuncular? Uh, what? <laughs> Her- Herkimer, Herkimer uh, Hamolka. Herkimer Horticulture. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous. This is on Amazon Prime if you want to, uh, you know, further engage with this level of trash. Something that is not on anything, which is always a good sign. We love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I had originally planned to give Caitlin something else. When we parted last week, I was like, you're watching. Have you seen this? And she said no. And I said, you're watching that. And then, as I am wont to do, I was killing time at a bus stop, waiting to go home, and Instagram wanted me to know that Mondo Records was having free global shipping. And I said, well, they mostly do soundtracks for weird movies and horror movies and stuff, and they're probably not going to have anything I want, but um, let me go Let me go have a look. I still got to know. That's the sickness. You got to know. So let me go see what they have on offer. And I'm flipping through, and I'm seeing all the, like, you know, 
Italian horror movie soundtracks and like, you know, it follows and a, a girl walks at home at night and all that kind of like, you know, nouveau horror stuff that's been coming out. And then I saw another soundtrack and I went, Oh, and I opened my oh. Facebook messenger and I say, Caitlin McKinnon, I know it's 11 o'clock at night, but have you seen they live? And Caitlin McKinnon said, no. And I raised my hands in the air and laughed maniacally <laughs> said, Oh God, you have that friends. They live is a 1988. It's a fairly short one. Science fiction, action, horror film written and directed by John Carpenter based on the 1963 short story, eight o'clock in the morning by Ray Nelson. It stars the God Rowdy Roddy Piper in a movie, in a role that I believe, full circle, got him fired for a spell from WWE oh. in the 80s because he either wanted more money or wanted to do more acting. And they were like, no, you can't do more acting. And he was like, okay, bye. Because <laughs> Vince doesn't want anybody getting over on anything that can't make Vince more money. So it stars Rowdy Roddy Piper, Meg Foster, and one of Kate's many husbands, the god Keith David. It follows an unnamed drifter, played by Piper, who discovers through special sunglasses that the ruling class are aliens concealing their appearance and manipulating people to spend money, breed, and accept the status quo with subliminal messages in mass media. The film was a minor success at the time of its release, debuting number one at the North American box office. It originally received negative reviews criticizing its social commentary, writing, and acting. However, like other films of Carpenter's, it later enjoyed a cult following and eventually became recognized as a largely underrated work. The film has also entered popular culture and notably had a lasting effect on street art. While it's nearly six minute alley brawl between the protagonist makes appearances on all time lists for best fight scenes. <laughs> so I did not have time to rewatch this movie. I'm going by memory. Kate's going to have to fill in a lot of blanks. Here's what I remember. Rowdy Roddy Piper, not the best actor in the world. Uh, that fight scene. I'm surprised to see it's only six minutes. I thought it was 47. <laughs> I thought it was just, I thought the movie was literally Roddy Piper finds some sunglasses, fights with Keith David in a parking lot for 47 minutes, and then goes to the TV station. That's all I thought the movie was. Anyway, this is marquee top shelf B-movie trash. So I'm, I'm delighted to hear what Caitlin thought of this business. So, a couple things. Um, all I knew about this film was that Chris had shown me this fight scene in Saints Row. And he's like, this is based on um, on the movie. And I was like, okay. Never seeing the movie. Um but it's like, I think it's like the full fight scene. I was like, this is really long. <laughs> um, and then when we were watching the film, uh, I thought Chris had seen the movie, but he hadn't seen it either. And he was like, we're, so we're watching the film. And just so you know, the beginning of this film, it goes on forever and nothing happens. <laughs> forever. And 
I don't know what Roddy is like now, but dead. He is. Oh, he is dead. Sorry. Oh, that's sad. Well, I don't know if he acted in anything else, but he is a terrible actor. Just atrocious. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> and like every every time the camera is on him, he has no expression on his face, so you can't like tell what's going on. Um, there are standout moments, but anyway, so the movie is going on and on and on and on and on, like just forever. Um, and uh, Chris mentioned something about like, oh yeah, I don't even know much about this film, just that it's like this commentary on society or whatever. And I was like, oh man, I was like, I thought because it was John Carpenter, it would get weird. I was not disappointed. <laughs> it got so weird. And it gets weird like real quickly. Um, And it does this weird Twilight Zone thing. So the movie like starts in the 80s and then quickly like bumps to the 60s. Um, basically, he he finds this these glasses and they help him see that everything we read is actually just like subliminal messaging uh, telling us to obey which is where that comes from good to know Um, that fight scene between him and Keith David is all I could think was where did Keith David learn to fight like like stunt fight like this like they were doing wrestling moves I was like was Keith David a wrestler like I had to like yeah, look pretty sure up. somebody gets suplexed like, at one point like like uh, several times <laughs> I was like Roddy this must have been the contract like I get to do like a, a, a you know what it would have been you know when you show me those like epic wrestling fights right. that just like they're so good you don't even care who wins <laughs> um that's how it was. I'm like, if this had been in the ring, people would have been losing their goddamn minds because it was so good. So sorry, Phil. Um, remind me the context of the fight scene. Is it just that like Roddy has been like smart, smartened up? He just wants him to put the glasses on. Is that all it is? Well, Roddy at this point, the character has murdered a bunch of well people. Right? They don't know that they're aliens. He can see them now though, and sees that they're weird robot face, crazy alien looking things. Mm. Um, and he's like robbed a bank and like killed a bunch of people, killed a bunch <laughs> of cops. Um, right, right, right. And right. so, but Keith David still is weirdly, he's half helping him. He like gets him his pay from the job they've been doing where they met on this like, um, basically this, uh, it's freelance construction um, type shit, isn't it? Like... Yeah. Yeah. It's just like this random construction job. Um, and like tells him to like leave and he doesn't want to talk to him. And the Roddy character is like, you have to put these, you have to see what I see. Put the glasses on. And Keith David refuses. Even when he's getting, they're both kicking the shit out of each other. And it's like fourth time. And Roddy's like, just put the glasses (laughs) on and you won't do it. Most stubborn man in the universe. And so like finally... They've had taken turns, like, just beating each other up. And finally, like, Roddy wins, because I'm guessing that's also in his contract. Um, And finally gets the glasses on Keith David. And Keith David's like, whoa! (laughs) And then they're friends again. and, And they have to find this, like, secret group. And 
that was definitely a standout moment um, when the female love interest um, pushes him out of a window. Is she a love interest? Also amazing. Uh, I think so. May, not at that point, but like when he realizes she's working with, like is part of the underground and she's like, I didn't know. I'm sorry. And then he goes and tries to find her after they teleport into headquarters. Oh my God, this movie. Do they teleport? Um, yeah. How do so, they teleport? Uh, they use these watches to like communicate these fancy watches to communicate with each other, the aliens. Um, and then, uh, they have teleporters on them. So at one point, uh, but you can only see it if you're wearing the glasses. So Roddy sees one of the aliens teleport. And then later on, uh, Keith David, they give Keith David like one of the watches and they're like, you know, figure out how it works. Cause you can listen into them on what's going on. And mm. then he gets like, they get the teleporter working and it teleports them to the headquarters. Um, and then one of the homeless gentlemen that they first encounter at the like homeless, shantytown um he's been like brought into the fold and he like just casually starts showing them around because he thinks if they're there they've been also brought into the fold he's like i didn't know they recruited you guys and he like casually shows them around there's like a uh intergalactic teleporter that'll send you to like andromeda is that ultimately the the end game there of the movie like what are they trying to blow up at the end the broadcasting oh, no. the thing, or? End, yeah, that w- that makes makes it so that all the aliens and everything is hidden. Oh, right, 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 right. So, first of all, Keith David dies. Not cool because <laughs> he has kids and a wife, as he says several times. <laughs> Can't get involved because he has kids and a wife. That's all I know about the character, and he has some anger issues. Um, it's the system, man. It's the system. The system, yo. Um, he gets killed. Not cool. Um, then Roddy, uh, shoots the satellite, which blows it up, of course, because that's how these things work. Um, and all of a sudden the signal fails and everyone starts seeing the aliens. Literally the last scene of the film is a topless woman riding a gentleman and she looks down, and he's an alien. That is literally full, full nipples and everything. Like, full, very well-endowed, lovely-looking lady. You know, seems to be having a nice time. Um, but that is the last scene in the film. I, oh, man, I don't even know. I don't, it, It's so weird because you'll have, oh, it's just... Oh, 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 oh. I haven't even... How have I not talked about this? This is the worst dialogue I've ever heard in any film. How ever dare you? You... Okay, you didn't even rewatch it, all right? You don't even know. Caitlin? <laughs> Roddy Piper came here to do two things. <laughs> Chew bubble gum and kick ass. <laughs> and kick ass. And he's all out of bubble gum. All out of bubble gum. I believe at the IMDb trivia will let you know that he just riffed that. Like that was some that was some wrestling bullshit talk, and he just he just improv oh, that. The whole thing, the whole thing is wrestling bullshit talk. Like the whole fucking thing. I didn't think there's a scene. Okay, there is a scene where him and Keith David are fighting, and Roddy has again. A giant it's like two thirds of the movie. 
<laughs> Roddy has a giant piece of wood and he like smashes a window right beside um Keith David. And Keith David picks up a beer bottle and like smashes it. And you and you get the sense that the bottle was only have to only supposed to smash half. <laughs> like the way Marge does in the right. streetcar named Desire <laughs> episode. But the whole thing smashes and you can tell Roddy breaks character and just like laughs. But they kept it in and then and then Keith David smacks him in the face. Um like the whole thing was just off the cuff wrestling bullshit terrible. Oh, it was so terribly scripted. Um God, it was the dialogue was just like there were some lines that didn't even make any sense. <laughs> I was like, how does this get made? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess the 80s. I guess most of their budget went to cocaine. Um, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm actually on the uh, I'm on the trivia page here on IMDb. Yep. I'll give you some of the uh, hits here. Uh, the fight was supposed to be 20 seconds long. <laughs> but Piper and David decided to fight it out for real, only faking hits to the face and groin. A lot of, lot of, lot of dick kicks in this movie, in that scene too, if I recall. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, they rehearsed the fight for three weeks. Carpenter was so impressed, he kept the whole thing intact, which runs five minutes twenty seconds. Uh, and allegedly, there's there was a remake in development with Matt Reeves attached and Carpenter producing, but oh. nothing has ever, nothing has ever really come of that. But that would be that would be interesting. It certainly could still be topical anytime you want to make a movie about. That's a pretty evergreen topic if you want to talk about how the, uh, you know, ruling class manipulates the powerless. That's oh, yeah. that's always ripe. So, I did you enjoy watching this madness or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is, I mean, except for the first, it's got to be like the first 20 minutes of the film. Mm. It's so slow. Like, I wanted to, I was basically on my phone the whole time and I missed nothing. <laughs> Um, just describe my Congo so, experience. Yeah, so unbelievably slow. Like the Congo is weird because it never slows down. Like it just that, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Script. Wow. Yeah, you really you're really hitting with the movies that are just like uh, forget exposition. Like we are just <laughs> last week. Last week was volcano go bad explosion lava. <laughs> this week was monkey kill Everything. monkey kill. Diamonds, skydiving, hot air balloon. <laughs> Steve no, Gu- lava Steve explosion. Also, also lava. Big big with lava hot this year. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I think this is probably like a, a for punch kicks, 7 out of 10. Like. 7 out of 10. Yeah, like this was, it was such a, it was funny because so many bits and pieces. I'm like, oh, that's from this movie. Mm. Um. But it was such a weird movie because the acting was so bad. But then you also have Keith David, who's amazing. Um, and at one point it was really funny because Chris, not knowing anything about this movie like me and not knowing Rowdy Roddy Piper, was like uh, – uh, or no, he knew he knew who he was, the wrestler was, but not much about him. And was like, you know, he kind of sounds like Dan Aykroyd. And I was like, that's because – they're both Canadian. They're both Canadian. <laughs> you do have accents. Um, so yeah, it was just it was 
it was a weird, bizarre watch, and it was one of those things where it was, it you know, terrible funny, but you're also glad it's done. Um, it's definitely, this is the last parting thing I guess I'll say about it, it's definitely one of those movies where, like, sometimes you just have, and this is also goes back to, like, a time where, you know, it's, tell us how the before times were, Grandpa, like, you didn't know what everyone else was watching. You would just find mm-hmm. weird shit sometimes. And then years later be like, Oh, everybody was watching that shit. Like I watched it because I was a wrestling fan. You know, I knew who Roddy Piper was. And then like, I just watched this thing. And again, it must've been like a movie network stalwart, which was just on all the time. And I watched it every time it was on and just was like, this is the weirdest fucking weirdest fucking movie. And then you see, like, oh, yeah. South Park reference, the fight scene. It's like, are, are they doing fucking They Live? Like, Jonathan Lethem writes a book about They Live. <laughs> like, a book-length essay on They Live. And it's like, well, so everybody was watching this shit? And everybody thought it was fucking nuts? <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah. And, and, again, I always like stuff. It's like that first time when I was maybe in high school that I saw... Twilight of the Twilight Zone, and I was like, oh my god, that's what the Simpsons were rep- referencing all the time. Um, or other stuff from that time. It's the same kind of idea. You like see a movie and you're like, oh my gosh, that's what that's from. Um, but yeah, like, there, it's weird because parts of the movie, like, the premise is really interesting, um, but they also have, like, ridiculous flying saucers, terrible dialogue. Like, it's just this weird bag of stuff, which I think probably most terrible movies are. Um, but, yeah, it was 7 out of 10, Punch Cakes. Definitely watch it if seven. you have some time. Uh, you have lots of time at the beginning to make popcorn and everything. So <laughs> 7 out of 10. Well, friends, I believe that is just about going to wrap up another installment of your favorite time of year, November Crapathon. We will be off next week because November is technically like five weeks so we're going to take next week off because Cake can visit family and uh, your boy's got a three day weekend so he's going to clean some records and enjoy himself but we will be around on the Twitters get us at GeekDownPod that is where we will be and we will be back to wrap up November Crapathon with a single topic we don't know what it is yet we haven't decided if you have any suggestions you can also get at us on Twitter be delighted to hear them and yeah then it'll be a festive time start dealing into some some comfy goofy christmas shit and then we'll be approaching the end of the alphabet y'all and i don't know what that's gonna bring we'll see what happens be a brave new age for the geek down pod but we will see how that uh shapes up we're not going anywhere sorry i didn't want i want to worry anybody don't freak anybody out <laughs> they have enough to worry about it's not, jordan it's not, it's not like we're just gonna retire like by the time we hit Zed, it's like, okay, Pete, deuces, y'all. We're not going anywhere, but we're, we'll figure something out. Anyway, friends, thank you so much for joining us. It truly means the world to us that you spend this time with us every week. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will all return, not next week, but the week after, for another fan-freaking-tastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. I'm 
send some shit. That is how we sound check.